Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How you doing, everyone? Welcome to another edition of John Aresi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. Today's show will cover highlights of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show, which aired on 1240 AM WGBB in West Babylon, New York, covering the original episode of December 29th, 1991. I hope everybody out there had a great Christmas weekend. We are fast heading into the new year of 2022. And Pro Wrestling Spotlight was ending an era with this episode from December 29th, 1991. So this will be an interesting one for us to cover and to go over that period. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, who was at the time the managing editor for Pro Wrestling Illustrated, The Wrestler, and so many of those after magazines, as they are referred to today by many fans and those in the industry, one of the foremost wrestling journalists from that time period, Mr. Bob Smith. Bob, welcome back for another episode. Thank you, John, and Happy New Year to everybody. Yeah, the New Year's coming up, and uh, also joining us is uh, somebody who looks a little chilly tonight up in Canada. Uh, she is, uh, you know, all bundled up in a few layers of clothing. <laughs> We'd like to say hello to our producer and editor joining us from that cold, cold place up north. The Great White North, I guess you call it, Alex Robertson. Alex, how are you? Like you said, I'm cold, and I still can't believe that a small border separates us, yet the weather between us is insanely different. Yeah, we haven't had any snow here yet. It was uh, We had a little freezing rain yesterday, and today it's been about 35 degrees. But uh, I tell you one thing, when I, uh, when I lived in Boston, uh, for five years, and I hated snow. I, I think uh, I'm allergic to it because I just, when I'm out, I, I, I panic and I slip and fall, and uh, I do not like snow. I do not like getting anywhere near it. I don't like looking at it. I don't like walking on it. I don't like touching it. I don't even like it being in the forecast. So um, oh, I, uh, I tip my hat to you, Alex, for uh, for being tolerant of that weather up there. Well, I mean, listen, John, you would hate the stairs that I have to walk down to walk to the subway every morning because they're very small and they're always oh, filled no. with either ice or snow or a combination of both in the dark. Ooh. So <laughs> yeah. I, I would I would fall down just thinking of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thank you for joining us once again. The last uh, show uh, of this year. Anyway, Donnie Libel is going to be joining us in this episode as well. We'll be bringing Donnie on shortly. 
But before we begin, I'd like to invite you to help out with the production of this show by signing up for our Patreon community. In return for your contribution, you get a lot of content, a lot of vintage history, not only from the Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show archives to the early access of uh, those complete unedited episodes, as well as this podcast. You get it early. Membership begins at just five bucks a month. Please check out patreon.com slash John Arezzi and your support was greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, Patreon account is doing very, very well. Lots of specials uh, each and every week. A lot of great content. So check it out. Patreon.com slash John Arezzi. Well, Bob, it's the end of the year as we enter this show with lots of past highlights of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And I think it's going to be a really cool look back at some of the best moments leading up to this broadcast of December 29th, 1991. We go back into the archives. Star after star you're going to hear on this show. Uh, some real legends here. And a, a real period of transition for you, John. Maybe you want to explain that a little bit. Yeah, it is. It was a very... Um, Interesting time. I had had my financial problems keeping the show on the air. Uh, WGBB, which we broadcast from, uh, it was a brokerage situation. It was about 600 bucks a week. And that was a difficult nut, uh, not just to keep the show going. And then uh, that was the way I made my living as well. So during this time period, uh, we were off the air for a couple of shows in November. And then the station extended some credit uh, to us. Uh, so the bill uh, at this time was uh, a few thousand dollars. And and with me meeting Russo and uh, Vince, uh, you know, kind of saying you should put the show on a bigger station. There were discussions being held uh, with a big station out of New York City, WEVD. And for me, it was kind of a um, mixed emotions situation. It was comfortable to be at WGBB. We had a big audience. Uh, there was always the potential of going to New York City, but then there were those like, who wants to travel to New York City every week uh, for, you know, for a nighttime show? I was very comfortable because literally WGBB was uh, about a mile from where I lived. So it was like you get up in the morning, you shoot right to the station, you're there. So it was a it was a very um, it was a very mixed emotion time for me, especially on this show. Traveling into New York City from Long Island is a chore. I don't care where you're coming from. And it had to be a kind of a daunting uh, thing to do. How did you commute? Uh, when uh, we uh, eventually, when we made the move, uh, I would meet uh, I would meet Vince Russo uh, at the park and ride uh, exit 49 off the LIE. <laughs> right. And uh, it was also a notorious place where uh, uh, where, you know, people used to go to hook up. So, you know, meeting at night in the park, <laughs> at the park and ride. And then uh, Vince would bring, I guess the guy's name was Chris with him, who was helping out and wanting to learn. And so we'd all meet at that park and ride and then uh, and, and carpool it into New York City to uh, uh, the station was on Ninth Street and Broadway, I believe, in New York, downtown. Smart move, because there's something about New York City where after 11 o'clock, you know, they'll say a bus is coming or they'll say the subway is there and it, it never runs on time. You you, no. you can't you can't get around on the weekends in, in the city. So you basically no. move to drive anyway. No, even when I left the wrestling business and I uh, and, and eventually got a job at a New York City country radio station, I would drive to the city. I would never take the train. I hated the train. 
I did I, the same. I did the same thing. I had yeah. a, I had a, I was managing editor of a, another magazine later on, and I drove. I couldn't stand mm -hmm. the, the public. I, I used to park, uh, in, a, in a lot. I mean, it was expensive, but to me, it was worth it because I could set yeah. my own hours and set my own pace, and not have to deal with the madding crowd, as it were. Yeah, I, I'd drive in in the morning, you know, for my sales meetings, and 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 that was not an easy chore. I mean, because if you have to be at a sales meeting at nine a.m you'd have to leave Long Island at like 630. Mm -hmm. And it's only, you know, 35, 40 miles, but uh, you'd have to leave really, really early. And and uh, at least, you know, in the car, I was a smoker at the time uh, and uh, I'd be able to smoke and listen to Howard Stern on the way in. So at least it would take some of that time away. But And then coming home at night was the same thing. So, you know, you're, it turned into a five-hour commute on an average back and forth. Then your work day. So it was miserable. I mean, and then the train was even miserable, more miserable than that, because you go if you go on the Long Island Railroad at the time, those were packed in like sardines and everybody looked miserable. I can only imagine the way it is now. I can never get on a public transportation vehicle. Oh, right gosh, now. now I can't either. I, I, I have avoided it for the most part. I've taken a couple of buses around New York City, but mm -hmm. um, I can't imagine what it's like to commute at this point. It's got to be slightly scary, I would think. Yeah, I'm too old for that, then too anyway I'm just like, <laughs> i want i want stuff that's easy but uh yeah it was a crazy uh crazy afternoon uh, uh crazy morning and afternoon 30 years ago because this was this was the end of an era yes and uh you begin the show with that rarest of animals in the wrestling business you made an apology for the previous week's show mm. yeah, uh, I wonder why <laughs> you, uh it features some pointed comments directed at Eddie Gilbert made by Missy Hyatt and Jason Hervey, which was our last show, obviously. Yes. Um, you were very serious about your apology there, John. I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed from what they were saying. And, you know, Missy not only calling Medusa a man that she had hair growing on her back, uh, but the things she said about Eddie. And, you know, it was just kind of a, I just felt that I had to. I just I couldn't all week. It was bothering me. Well, Eddie was a friend of the show. And Eddie, uh, Eddie was a big friend of the show. And what happened between Missy and Eddie was really their business and probably should have been left in private, I feel. But, you know, mm -hmm. Missy had a different take on that, I guess. And so did Jason. So, yeah, they were in love. Yes. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> All right. I won't, I won't I won't go into that. But I, I think it's uh, time to listen to our opener here because it's uh, it. very heartfelt. Yes. So let's hear John deliver a sincere apology. You know, I want to first of all apologize for last week's Christmas show. I really have become almost like the Geraldo Rivera or maybe Oprah Winfrey of uh, pro wrestling. Uh, the dirty laundry that was aired out in public last week uh, embarrassed me personally with some of the comments that Missy Hyde and Jason Hervey had to say about Eddie Gilbert. I guess Eddie wasn't better because he did the same thing when he was on the program, but not to the extent that happened last week. So uh, sometimes uh, you tend to forget why you're here. And uh, what I'm going to do today is uh, I'm going to play some old tapes for you out there from our first year back in 1989. And uh, that's when the pro wrestling spotlight was taken a little bit more, a little bit lighter, a little bit less serious than it is today. And for me, it's kind of a bit of a nostalgia because when I first started the Pro Wrestling Spotlight a few years ago on another radio station, 
I didn't take the wrestling business as seriously as I do today. You know, it was fun talking to Terry Funk about how he's going to beat up Ric Flair. But now you have steroid stories, and last week you have, uh, I guess, people's uh, sexual lives being brought up on the radio. Maybe good radio for some of you out there to listen to, and uh, it does get my name around in print in all the newsletters. Guess what happened on the spotlight this week? But sometimes it gets a little out of hand, and uh, even though I'm a fan of the Wonder Years and Jason Hervey, and I'm also a fan of Missy Hyatt's, uh, I think last week was a bit of an embarrassment. I'm stating that publicly here, and I want to apologize to anybody it might have offended out there. So today we have highlights from last year's, uh, not last year, but actually year one of Pro Wrestling Spotlight. This is, uh, I guess, about 75% to 80% of you out there have never heard this stuff. We got Cactus Jack comparing the Adams family to the Munsters in his very first appearance ever on a Pro Wrestling Spotlight. We got an interview I did with Terry Funk right before he... Took on Ric Flair in that great July 23rd, 1989 Great American Bash. Paulie Dangerously's uh, great phone call when one of our listeners called into the program and said that he had a call from a payphone because his parents wouldn't let him listen to the show. And then Paulie proceeded to get the, get the kid's mother on the telephone. And what you'll hear is going to make your side split with laughter. So get those sound effect cards out, Dr. Whitefinger, for those laughter sound tracks. Well, John, all I can say is uh, that was quite sincere and heartfelt. And um, I think we might have missed something from our, you know, from our previous show because your original tape that was provided for our last podcast has some time missing at the end. Did they go pretty crazy during that period that we did not hear? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I do remember uh, a couple of things because I do remember um, her talking about uh, Eddie's manhood. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it got a little outrageous and it got a little bit more. And if I ever find that tape, we'll play it because I think that uh, last half hour of that show, which uh, I, I did not find, I could not find it. Uh, would probably reveal a lot, but who knows if I'd even want to play it. But uh, but yeah, there was more. There was more after the show, uh, what? after what, what after what we had at least uh, back in the archives to play. What a time period for Eddie Gilbert. I mean, have it, have his name dragged through the mud on your show. Yeah. Jim Hurd, the thing yeah. in Memphis. Everything, yeah. all his plans becoming a booker of a larger federation, kind of put on hold, probably for good at that point. Um, I understand why he was feeling a lot of pressure because he was in his prime and everything was falling apart. Yeah, it was. And, uh, I think this is a good time, Bob, to bring Donnie in, uh, too, because Donnie was, had such a, just a revered friendship with, uh, Eddie. Donnie knew Eddie, uh, very well back then. And, uh, Don, you know, I know you've been listening, uh, what Bob mm-hmm. has been saying, uh, were you having conversations with Eddie Gilbert at the time about what was going on in his life and the Missy situation? And, you know, he was in a tumultuous period there. He, he was devastated. Missy, as he told me more than once, was the love of his life. Uh, you know, when Eddie was getting out of high school, he was had like a lot of people have, um, you know, your high school sweetheart. He was with a, a young lady by the name of Debbie for uh, several years. And uh, as he got further into the wrestling business, you know, that kind of subsided. And when he met Missy, uh, it changed everything with him. His outlook, he was 
so excited creatively, uh, personally. I told you they uh, previously they had a, a great way. They got married at, at their place in Euless, Texas. They brought everybody in there, including their, each one of their families, and dressed up and, and had the, the Halloween party, and they, they ended up getting married there. And he was so excited to be on the road with her. And then, you know, like in wrestling, we see so many things fizzle out, and um, it really, really devastated him. And, you know, there were other stories about when – Missy's with other people, and um, I know one story that went public with him and uh, uh, Bill Fralick, who played in the NFL, I believe at the time, was with the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, it just and was it, and wasn't she introduced to him by Jim Ross? Um, I don't that I don't know, but I I, I know that, that you know when Eddie took it very hard, where he was literally going to Fralick's house looking for Missy and. I, I believe there was some type of confrontation between the two, but uh, with Eddie and Frelick and, and just, and, and then, you know, when I find out that um, Eddie passed away the way he did and, and, you know, uh, far away in Puerto Rico and, 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 and you know, in a motel room and uh, drugs involved, knowing his mom and dad, uh, I mean, very, very nice people. And uh, it was just, it was, as Bob said, it was just a, the tailspin going on there and uh um it's very very difficult for me yeah, I personally noticed, I, I noticed it when i uh when we had week of the champions in 92 yeah uh, yeah it was, he was very he obvious was, then he was uh he was not right and at the same time at, at the weekend of champions when he was there uh, if i remember correctly there was some type of heat between he and bob orton uh junior where Supposedly, when they were Eddie was in the booking committee and whatnot with Mid South, and and there was a uh, a bar fight. And uh, according to legend, that Bill Watts said, you know, no matter what, you always have to protect the business. And if there's a fight, the next day he wants to check everybody's knuckles to make sure everybody fought to defend the business. And for some reason, um, I don't know if Eddie gave a report on what happened or whatever, but Bob Orton Jr. had blamed Eddie for being fired uh, from the company. So when they were at Weekend of Legends, that was one of the things where, you know, um, Eddie was a little uncomfortable. Um, I, I think they spoke, what, but he really didn't want to be around Orton. But it was very clear, uh, as you said, that during that time, uh, he was, um, you know... He was getting messed up, Eddie was. Yeah. Bob, you want to say? I just, the the, the saddest thing to me, uh, Eddie and Missy had come up to our offices in Rockville Center mm-hmm. at the invite of Bill Lafter. And the entire time they were there, they had a great time. They were laughing. They looked very much in love to me. And um, the fact that it all went down the way it did, and publicly too, it just had to be so hard for Eddie. And I'm, I'm you know, I... His demise, say what you want about it, but he, it just seemed like he had pressure after pressure that year. And it, it's very sad because I liked Eddie. Eddie was a complete gentleman to me. And every time I spoke to him, I saw him later when he was booking ECW. And, you know, his passing really messed them up. A lot of the people at ECW because they really liked working with him. And uh, I don't even know what to say other than Godspeed. It, it's just it's just a real tragedy, really. He should... He should be here today. Yeah. And even uh, you bring up ECW, when he was booking ECW, 
the times that I made the trips to Philadelphia, you could tell Eddie was having problems then as well. Yeah. Very sad. Uh, brilliant man. And uh, certainly his potential was, uh, wasn't fully reached, and that's a shame. So. Yes, Bob. Now that we've made our thoughts clear on, on the great Eddie Gilbert, uh, let's get a little whimsy back going here. Um, right before Don's time capsule, we have a brief phone message from an infamous area wrestling fan, Andrew Goldberger. John, yes. what made <laughs> Andrew Goldberger so infamous? Andrew Goldberger was an interesting guy. Uh, he was 14 years old, uh, and he was this nerdy kid. Bright kid, but very nerdy, uh, I guess you would uh, term term it. And he used to call the show up. He lived in Port Jefferson, which was out east on Long Island, probably about 30 miles from where the station was. So the signal wasn't picking up very well. So he devised a um, system where he would listen in the car radio, but he'd have to turn the antenna a certain way. And I mean, the way he would explain it, and it's in the archives, it's if you've heard the pro wrestling spotlight over the over the last few years, um, uh, he explains he explains how he used to uh, turn himself into a car antenna to listen to the uh, pro wrestling spotlight. But uh, uh, but he had he had an endearing factor to him. He was a regular caller. And then he started a newsletter, and then Herb Abrams sued him at the age of 14 years old because he had talked about how Herb was bouncing checks, and he gets a lawsuit from Herb Abrams. Uh, and then he's the guy that introduced me to Vince Russo. He was walking yes. home from school and entered a video store, and that's how all of that happened. And he had some involvement with the Jim Cornette fan club. And, and the ironic part of it was that he wasn't paid attention to in school. He didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, he was kind of an inward guy, but an, a highly intelligent kid. So uh, uh, even at the conventions uh, and have him help out, I used to invite him into the studio. I took him to lunch once with uh, Cactus Jack. We went to the ground route on Long Island. And so Cactus, <laughs> everybody who met him liked the kid. Uh, Tony Rumble uh, liked him. And uh, he was, uh, he was uh, uh, always – he always had a, a fascination with, with women and girls. I mean, he just was this kid who was so shy, who couldn't act on his, you know, his impulses to ask anybody out when he was a kid. But it, it, the ironic part of all of this is that uh, Andrew reached out to me a couple of years. I guess it was in 2019. And he reached out to me on Instagram. And he said he was looking for me for over 20 years. And uh, so we exchanged messages, and then we have a phone call. And Andrew, uh, Andrew, basically, after school, he, he became a deadhead for a while. Like, he traveled around the country following the Grateful Dead. And he was always into technology. And he developed an app that would uh, revolutionize, I guess, uh, donations to a church where you could do everything via an app, and then he sold it off for about $15 million. So he became quite rich, and he had uh, had a couple of marriages, and he lives the life of this 
global bachelor, not even a bachelor, because he, he lives in Belize and he lives in New York City. And he owns a string of uh, car washes too, which is a cash business. And I mean, so he does quite well for himself. Wow. So he's a multimillionaire and he credited me. He says, you're the only one. He got, you know, I saw how, you know, how big your, you know, colonies were. I mean, that's an Italian word. I mean, cause I, I always were willing to take a chance. He said, you paid attention to me. You gave me confidence that I could accomplish things just by watching what you did. And you, and you were friendly to me. Uh, so, uh, he, he kind of credits me for turning his life into, you know, he had a, he had these visions and, uh, and, and meeting some of these wrestling personalities that he did as a teenager, he said, it kind of all changed his life. And, uh, he's a globetrotter, this kid. Wow. And, uh, I, and the last time I got together with him was, um, uh, was about a year ago. It was right before, I think it was right before the pandemic actually. And uh, we've kept in touch since then. And he's been uh, advising me somewhat on YouTube because he says, you know, this is where you can make some serious uh, money. If you could get a YouTube channel that has a lot of views and how to monetize it. So uh, he and I are in communication with each other. But uh, interesting story with Andrew. He, That's he, great. He really uh, he really is an interesting guy. He really is an interesting. He's just saying he's got the same face from years ago and. <laughs> And he's uh, he's still a little nerdy, but you know the pictures that he sends me now with all these beautiful girls that are just flocking towards him now. He lives the life. He sends pictures on on a sailboat. Uh, you know he's just living this incredible life, and that was based on selling an app that he developed for you know fifteen million dollars. You see, that's why you should never go to a high school reunion, John. You ever been to a high school reunion? All I the went- nerds, all the nerds are now beautiful. All, all of the high school uh, football heroes are now working in a car wash. You know, nobody ended up the way you thought that they would end up when you knew them when they were young. And mm-hmm. I think your, your story there is a perfect example of that. My yeah, goodness. it is. I mean, even me, I mean, I didn't have a date in high school. I mean, I didn't go to my prom. I, uh, I, was, I was absent from school uh, most of the time. I mean, I, I just I had a beg. I had to beg a couple of teachers to give me a, like a 65 passing grade in order to graduate. I mean, that was just kind of what happened to me. I, I was so shy. I lived, I, I was in the back of the class and I used to wear a jacket and I never talked to anyone and I hardly ever went to school. And I, I have no real friends from high school to this day. I didn't communicate with anyone. There'd be a couple of people. And, uh, but I did go to my first high school reunion and I was like, and then the second one I went to, that was the last one I went to. I was like, I'm happy with everything I've done in my life, you know, and, yeah. and it had nothing to do with what I learned in high school. I, I went to one, I guess, about 15 years ago, and um, somebody brought one of my records and the whole class danced to my music, which I thought was a really cool thing. That is a cool thing. You know, so I had a nice high school. I was I was moderately popular in high school. I was class clown, believe it or not. You were. Yeah. You would never know it now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just – um. You, you can't judge anybody when they're 14. You have to let them mature. No. And well, it's it's nice that he gave you credit for helping him come out of a shell a little bit. That's important in anybody's development, John. It's really a cool thing. Yeah. And he uh, he he felt really good when he actually had the opportunity to talk to me after all these years and just kind of tell me his story. And I was I was just so happy for him. I was like. Man, who would have known the kid yeah. who got sued by Herb Abrams? Is, uh, <laughs> did he get sued, sued, or did he get worn sued? 
Uh, he got sued, but then they, uh, his father took it over to an attorney, and then they threw it out, and they stopped it or whatever. But, uh, would, you know, the, the nerve of the guy. Oh, gosh, 14-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. That's Herb Abrams for you, folks. <laughs> well, how about we listen to Andrew? And you, you can explain after this clip what exactly was going on here with young Andrew. And Okay, I'll it. try to. Let's hear his voice right now. Before we get to Donnie Liable, uh, we're going to bring on Andrew Goldberger. Andrew, are you there yes, listening to us? Yes, I am. Now, I know you listen. You <laughs> usually call the show to listen in because uh, when it's raining outside, you don't use your body as an antenna to pick up the radio show in Port Jefferson. Am I right? That's true, yeah. But I did have to address something. Now, you're becoming one of the most controversial uh, youngsters in the world of professional wrestling and the history of pro wrestling. Your appearance here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight last week caused an enormous amount of hate mail uh, to the radio station. I just wanted to make you aware of that and uh, make you feel proud. Uh, A little. A little, okay. Uh, And also, you were written up, you had a whole editorial written about you in Matt Watch, Andrew. Beverly, yes. Did you know about that? I certainly did. Did you read it yet? Uh, no, but I did hear it. Someone read it to me on the phone. Oh, you all read to it, because I was going to read it to you myself on the air. You'll have to excuse my voice. I just woke up. So. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It wasn't from a heavy night of drinking, was it? Uh, no. Well, I just wanted to uh, let you know, Andrew, you got to be a little bit more responsible out there. You have an editorial written about you called Eddie Gilbert, part of a rip-off scam. You put this on your computer, on, on Prodigy? Yes, I was given the misinformation, but... Well, you got to re- learn to read. you got Herb Abrams suing you. I'm sure if Eddie Gilbert ever sees you again, he's going to wring your neck. Andrew, you got to take more responsibility about what you do, okay? Well, look next week uh, in the Steve Beverly's Mac. Watch, there will be a letter from me addressing to him. You know? oh, yeah? How come he's not, he's not publishing next week? He isn't? No. He's got, uh, this is his year-end issue, and he won't be back for another couple of weeks. Well, the next issue. Okay. I just wanted to bring that out to Andrew. You are becoming a celebrity of sorts here at the show. A hated one, but uh, nevertheless. Uh, are you going to the garden today, Andrew? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. So listen, I'm going to put you back on hold so you can hear the rest of the show. Thank you very much. But I just wanted to uh, let you know about this editorial and just wise up in the future, okay? Yes. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Take care now. Put it on Prodigy. I mean, that cutting-edge uh, technology there, John. The message boards were a big thing back yeah, then. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I remember Prodigy, sure. Yeah, so I guess he said some things about Eddie that were not warranted, uh, uh, editorializing a couple of things. And, you know, he, um, you know, I just tried to kind of teach him a lesson there a little bit, you know, it wasn't Jeez, malicious. Even, even 14-year-old kids were throwing pebbles at Eddie Gilbert. I mean, every every which way, every which way. Maybe that has something to do with the AWF thing with Gordon Scazzeri and Eddie not showing up to be the booker or whatever, but... Um, I don't know. It's a long time ago, and I don't have that uh, editorial in front of me anymore. Right. Well, it's amazing how Andrew worked worked it out his life. That's that's astounding to hear that. I mean, yeah. after hearing after hearing this clip, it was just a just a kid, and I'm thinking, well, we could probably faded in oblivion. No, he's a playboy, I guess. The way to put I, it. I would say that he's uh, a playboy in a lot of ways. Uh. Nice work if you can get it. All right. Yeah. Um, after the Goldberger craziness, let's get Don Liable on the radio and bring us the news capsule for that week. Uh, are we ready? We're ready for it. And then we'll bring Donnie on and discuss it. Ladies and gentlemen, 
the dulcet tones of Mr. Don Liable. Uh, let's get right to the capsule. Uh, World Championship Wrestling dominates this week's edition. Uh, tonight, beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, WCW presents their longest-running pay-per-view t- uh, show, Starcade, in Norfolk, Virginia's Scope Arena. Now, the main draw for their audience is the 40-man Battle Bowls Lethal Lottery. Prior to the match, names will be drawn to determine 20 tag teams. The surviving 20 individuals not to be pinned or submit will engage in a two-ring battle royal to come up with a single overall winner. And in New Jersey's Burn Arena this past Friday night, WCW made their return to the metropolitan area in several months. An estimated 5,000 people journeyed to the Meadowlands to get an overall view of the promotion and to get for the first time in person a view of Japanese Matt Sensation and WCW light heavyweight champion Jushin Thunder Liger. Now, in running down some of the show's results, it was WCW heavyweight champ Lex Luger going to a double countout with Rick Steiner. Cactus Jack and Abdullah the Butcher got the win over Van Hammer and Elegante. Stunning Steve Austin went to a surprising time limit draw with Scott Steiner. U.S. champ ravishing Rick Rude scored a win by disqualification over Sting. And the WCW World Tag Team champs Ricky Steamboat and Dustin Rhodes retained their belts in battling Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson. Surprisingly, also, no return date was given for WCW in the Meadowlands. Well, check your local TV listings for this coming Friday's airing of Inside Edition. That's January 3rd. Former Worldwide Wrestling Federation champion superstar Billy Graham and former wrestling main eventer Dr. D. David Schultz are expected to be the focal guests speaking on steroid and other possible drug usage they allegedly experienced along with others who are with the WWF during their tenure with the promotion in the mid-1980s. And a sad note closes out the capsule. This past week, former wrestling great Wilbur Snyder passed away. In his heyday in the ring during the 1950s and 60s, Snyder demonstrated a terrific sense of balance, leverage, agility, and remarkable reflexes against all challenges. After a celebrated collegiate mat career at the University of Utah, Snyder, a native of Van Nuys, California, turned pro under the guidance of Sandor Zasbo, a two-time collector of the United States title as recognized at the Detroit office, and the AWA heavyweight belt was his by defeating Vern Gagne back in November of 1958. Capsule time, 1225. Don, I found it interesting that uh, Wilbur Snyder died at that point because he wasn't that far retired at that point, was he? In no, he was rather young, too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when I think of Wilbur Snyder, I think of the uh, uh, not only the AWA, but uh, uh, Dick the Bruce's promotion, uh, out of Indiana, uh, it was always uh, uh, you could think of uh, uh, Crusher. Uh, some of the people that were always there, and Wilbur Snyder seemed to spend most of his time there and, and earlier with the Vern Gagne. Vern loved the the quote athletes uh, from from college, the legitimate uh, amateur wrestlers, the uh, football players. Uh, that's that's who Vern uh, really enjoyed uh, bringing aboard. So it was it was something that at that time because as I said he was rather young, uh, passed away and uh, you know at the time uh, considered a legend in the business. Oh, for sure. Hey, you know that WWA they were loyal to their guys. I mean, they were guys. There were guys there. El Brasero wrestled there forever. Um, Wilbur Snyder. I'm talking into the '90s. I mean, yeah, a lot of you know Dick the Bruiser, Moose Sholock. I mean, these guys hung on and hung on and hung on. But people kept coming out to see him, and even as the crowds dwindled, they were still the heroes there. Yeah, uh, D- uh, Dick the Bruiser's uh, son-in-law, Spike Huber, was also another mainstay there for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, look at, looking at also reflecting on the card at the Meadowlands, um, 
back in 91, when still it was always seen as everything in a tri-state area and, and the Northeast really was, you know, uh, Vince McMahon promotions, just when they came to, it was still pretty exciting to, to see them uh, come to the, to Jersey. And there was always that little hope that, you know, they're going to come into New York uh, and, and not Nassau Coliseum, but Madison Square Garden. But as we've you know learned in previous show about Eddie Einhorn, he gave it all his best and couldn't get into the garden. Uh, I think, and, and and I'm sure someone could correct me on this, but at the time, I thought the rental uh, price for the garden for a night was $250,000. That included all your union people with the lighting and ushers and security and whatever. Uh, so it was it was always exciting to see another promotion come to the area, and, and Jushin Liger was there, which was great. I remember John had him at his convention. Uh, which was, you know, phenomenal. Um, but it, it was good to see another promotion there, and and uh, uh, it was enjoyable. We always wanted the uh, WCW to do well. We wanted them to draw well. We and and that was always a disappointment because no matter what, you know, they they would have a little steam and then it would deflate. I mean, you know, they would you'd get excited and then it would go away. Um, it, it just was not consistent, but every time they came into town, you had that anticipation of, wow, it's going to be a great show and hopefully fans are going to show up and, and there won't be a blizzard or something that also used to come into mm-hmm. play. Uh, but they, they were, they were snake bitten. Well, they sure were because, you know, I think it was their first card there that, um, Flair retained the title from Sting at the yeah. first, you know, attempt of, of booking the arena on a, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was a heck of a way to get it started. And I thought that would spread word of mouth, but it didn't really materialize that way, did it? No. You know, I think I think a lot has to do with, because I remember when Pro Wrestling USA was there, when you had a combination of the NWA, the AWA, you know, joining forces to go against the, the McMahon, uh, you know, spreading uh, nationwide. Um, but like any successful business, leadership matters. What you have at the top, uh, filters down and it just seemed that when tbs took over uh, wcw it was always people in charge who had no clue about wrestling didn't want to have a clue i mean it was uh harvey schiller it was jim hurd um it, it just um it didn't get the proper respect that it should have gotten and that's why they would have steam and they wouldn't have steam they could do this but they couldn't do that um, you know, just as a side note, uh, on the board of directors of the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum is Dr. Harvey Schiller. And many a times I have seen him within arm's distance in Cooperstown in the summer. And so many times I want to pull him aside and ask him about his time, you know, around wrestling with TBS. But uh, something always tells me mm, you don't want to do that. Not wrong time, wrong place. Mm-hmm. But I would love to be able to talk to these people now and get their reflections, uh, given, you know, 30 years experience of what happened in the wrestling business, where it's at today. Uh, but it's leadership. And that's why WCW, they didn't have the person on top like Vince McMahon was there making the final decision. It was, you know, uh, um, a board of people making decisions. You had uh, uh, people that just weren't interested in wrestling. And then also on the booking side of it, there was always havoc and there was always political turmoil turmoil on the back and who was going to be the booker and who the committee was. And there was always the politics going back. And there, there was never that type of consistency either of one 
driving force in the promotion that was leading creative. So, yeah, they had a lot of uh, issues and problems. And uh, us as fans back then were always rooting for them. But we always knew, similar to like what happens each and every year with the New York Mets, that they're going to find some way to screw it up, (laughs) that they'll find some way to screw it up. I always felt that the cardinal mistake with Turner was is that they bought WCW, but they should have left the Crockett's in charge. I think that would have would have been way better than what they came up with on their own. There's no two ways about it. I mean, yeah. the, the, the Crockett's never would have made the cardinal mistakes that Jim Hurd and subsequent leaders did after that point. I, I think were, it would have worked, too. There were wrestling people, too, the Crockett's. Yes. And, and, you know, with the resources that they, you know, if they would have hung, if they would have been able to been given those resources of the Turner money, it could have been a different story today. Oh, sure. But, you know, res- you made a great point. Wrestling should be run by wrestling people. You know, people talk about Eric Bischoff, but he was wrestling people by the time he walked into WCW. He was. And he brought other wrestling people with him. And look what happened. Yeah, it was an amazing run for him. And uh, one thing about the news capsule, too, that I wanted to bring up was the uh, the story that you talked about, about Inside Edition, that they were going to air the uh, uh, the uh, Billy Graham, David Schultz interview. And that story, that piece on Inside Edition opened up the can of worms. And then when these two guys appear on what's going to be our next episode here at the podcast with Billy Graham and David Schultz, you're talking about the, you know, the stuff hitting the fan. This is the first we're hearing of it from Donnie's news capsule that this inside edition piece is coming out. And uh, then we continue it on pro wrestling spotlight and it made a back page story in the New York post from that show. John, you just kept making headlines. I mean, 91 was the year for headlines for your show, man. It just kept coming and coming and coming. Yeah, 92 just – and that's our first show on the big platform. That's the show that was heard all over the Northeast and and including in the offices of Titan Sports. They could pick up the show. And uh, and Muchnick – uh, who will be on uh, the show from two weeks from now? Phil Muchnick will will be on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight in two weeks, a tape version, not the not current. Although it would be nice to get him. Uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna lead, kick off. Twenty twenty two is gonna kick off with explosive stuff from nineteen ninety two. So uh, just listen every week here, and you'll be able to hear it all. Wow, looking forward to all of that. Well, uh, we're going to get to clips, I guess. And uh, Donnie, I mean, it's been great to uh, see you as always. And uh, feel free to listen to the rest of the show if you'd like. And, uh, you know, uh, as always, uh, you know, hope the holiday was great and a happy new year to you. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun continuing this week after week with you. Same to you. And let me just get a quick line. And you talk about Andrew Goldberger. Uh, when he was in school, he was uh, considered nerdy or whatever. I remember 1979, I'm at the Rivermont Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm there for the WFIA convention. There's a whole bunch of people in the lobby hanging around. Uh, and then Moolah was there and, and um, a couple other people. And I saw this really nerdy, geeky-looking photographer that I remember seeing his picture in all of Norman Kites' programs and in and, and, and the magazines. And he wore thick glasses, he had on a big, thick white belt, and he had this smile that never left. And I went up to him and I shook his hand and I said, I've seen you forever and blah, blah, blah. It was Jimmy Cornette. And he truly was with his mother because she dropped him off there. And, you know, lo and behold, I see not long later, I see he's managing in in Memphis. He's managing Sherry Martell. He's looking like Thurston Howell III. 
and mm-hmm. the rest was history. Uh, so uh, it's another example of you never know who's going to be what when. Um, right. I, I met Jimmy at the WFIA convention for the first time, and he uh-huh. was this kid, like you said, nerdy kid, thick glasses, mm-hmm. the white, big white belt, and his <laughs> mama dropped him off. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, look what he's become, that guy, man. My goodness. Uh, you mm-hmm. never know. Right, Donnie? Thank you very much, you guys. Have a good show. All right. Take care, Don. Don Liable with the uh, time capsule here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And it's always uh, always a pleasure to have Don with us. In a walking encyclopedia of wrestling history. I say it yes, every he, week. It's yes, the only way is. I can put it. Yes, he is. But now we're going to have some fun. Because okay. I'm ready story, for it. The rest of the show is really funny. I laughed out loud. LOL. More than at any show I've worked on so far, John, because this one is full of laughs. And it starts with the one and only Paul Heyman, then known as Paulie Dangerously. And give us a little backstory on this one, because I know this is one of your favorite clips and stories of all time about the show. Uh, Yeah, it's in definitely the top five of all time favorite moments on Pro Wrestling Spotlight throughout the years. And uh, Paul uh, made his way into the studio at WNYG and... Uh, anytime Paul was either on the phone or in the studio, all uh, all hell broke loose, and he was just a firecracker. And there was a caller named Jim from Lindenhurst who uh, would call the show uh, almost every week from a payphone. Um, and uh, he was uh, he was kind of a wise ass. Uh, him and his friend <laughs> Rock, who's one of our patrons to this day, and Jim still listens to the show. He called uh, to speak to Paul, and uh, I was always wary when the kid was calling up because I knew he would say something about my weight or he'd say something that I'd have to hang up on him. And uh, this time he disclosed to Paul that um, he's calling from a payphone because his mother didn't want him to hear this show. So, And then Paul takes it away, and it becomes one of the funniest bits uh, in the history of Pro Wrestling Spotlight with Paul and uh, Jim's mother – uh, and we'll talk about who his mother actually was after the uh, after we hear the clip. Okay, so here we go, folks. Paul Heyman, a phone booth, and a concerned mother in distress. What we're going to do now is start playing some of this old stuff for you. Uh, tape number one, Dr. Whitefinger is in the machine right now. And this is what Don Liable was talking about. Uh, this took place back in 1989. Now, for those of you who uh, are new listeners to the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, uh, since we've come here to WGBB, obviously you haven't heard this particular segment. And let me just give you a little lead into it. Uh, Paulie Dangerously was in the studio, and uh, Kid Jim from Lindenhurst, who now lives down in Florida and still calls the show occasionally from Florida, uh, called from a payphone because his parents wouldn't let him listen to the program in the house. So Paulie took exception to that, and this is what happened. Uh, let's take a call. Jim from Lyndon Harris at 661-1440. You're on the air. Hey, John. How you doing? Hey, Jim. How are you? Pretty good. Look, I was wondering, you know, how'd the uh, Madison Square Garden card go last night? Well, I just gave the you results out. about it. Sorry, I just came down to pay phone to call you guys. <laughs> oh, a pay phone? Yeah. What's wrong with your phone at your house? My parents think this is garbage and they won't let me call. <laughs> get your mom on the phone right now. Yeah. Really, go, go get, home home get her mom on the, on the phone. Hey, let's keep on. What's this guy's name? Jim? Jim from yeah. Lindenhurst. Uh, yeah. Keep a line open for Jim. I want to talk to your mom right Go home and go get her on the phone. Yeah, yeah go ahead. <laughs> so, John, could you tell me who won? Ultimate Warrior or Andre the Giant? Right? Ultimate Warrior pinned Andre after Forget eight seconds. Forget about the garden. Go seconds. home and get your mom on the phone. 
and all hell broke loose once Polly finally got our caller's mom on the telephone. Okay, let's see what we got here, 661-1440. Hello, you're on the air. Hello? Yes. Is this Jim's mom? Yes, it is. Jim now, why won't you let Jim call up this radio station? Well, I don't care for wrestling. What? So? I think it's savage. It's a uh, savage? Yes. You, what TV shows do you watch? Um, anything else but wrestling. Uh, name one. Name one? Name one. You come from Long Island? Yes, I well, do. Well, then I'll speak slowly. Name one. Name one? <laughs> um, L.A. Law. L.A. Law? Oh, good. So you like to watch defense attorneys protect rapes and murderers and people like that on the air and teach young children to grow up to be defense lawyers to defend rapists and murderers and arsonists and stuff like that, but you all watch professional wrestling. That's correct. Professional wrestling is fixed and... I didn't know it was broken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so funny. Go ahead. And it's savage, it's and savage. I think that some of these people that they have uh, who are uh, uh, champions, children look up to, I think that they are disgraceful. Disgraceful. A guy that comes on TV, works out every single morning, makes sure that he has a suntan, and tells kids to say their prayers, eat their vitamins, and go to school and do your homework and graduate college. That's disgraceful, but you watch L.A. Law with a bunch of people out in Hollywood doing cocaine and snorting things and putting things in their veins and defending rapists and murderers and arsonists on television, and you're telling me that's not disgraceful, right? It's not as disgraceful as some of the champions you have up there. Saying your prayers and eating your vitamins and I graduating college is, is more disgraceful than defending arsonists and doing cocaine on the set of a television show, right? How many of them do you get, uh, champions, do you get up there saying to eat your vitamins and go to church? Hulk Hogan is on national television eight times a week telling everybody, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, believe in a big man upstairs, go to college and finish and get your education before you ever think of becoming a professional wrestler and you're telling me that none of them do it you don't watch it that's how you're passing judgment on something that you never watched before i have watched it i think it's a disgrace it's a disgrace yes it's a disgrace i think your speech is a disgrace i think you're a disgrace raising a kid not letting him call for radio station to be on the air in long island to be a hero in his high school because he got his voice on the airwaves to express his opinion on something which champions say say your prayers eat your vitamins go to college believe in a big man upstairs while you're sitting back watching some phony lawyer defending some arsonist or rapist or murderer on tv goes off the air snorts his snorts his snaws full of cocaine and goes picks up some floozy outside the studio and spreads AIDS all around Hollywood. I think you better calm down before you have a coronary. I don't need to have a coronary, sweetheart. If I wanted a coronary, I'd hang out with your kid. Anybody that comes home to a woman like you that professes to watch L.A. Law, which is a show about lawyers in Los Angeles, which is a rat-infested, poverty-stricken urban reality with pimps and drug dealers and mudslides and earthquakes and the whole damn state is going right into the ocean and you'd rather not let him watch some big, strong, 300-pound guy that works out in the gym every day, saves his prayers, Eat your vitamins, eat healthy food. All you want is quoting one or two wrestlers. There How many more you want me to quote? Who spit, who, who, who act like animals. Turn on the news, sweetheart. That's reality. Turn on the news. You got people being shot on the highways. You got people who are afraid to walk down the streets of their own neighborhood. And you're telling me that some guy that spits on somebody else in athletic competition is a disgrace? You ever watch football? I went to a hockey game last night. I actually played hockey for five minutes. 
I went to the wrestling matches and a hockey game broke out. Come on! And you won't let your kid call up? Why would you let him call up? He watches it anyway. He knows the number of the show. Yeah, he's probably a had, he probably had pornography in his closet. You ever think of that? You're repressing emotions. All right, listen, we got to run here. Throw her off the air. Thanks for your Throw call. Throw this witch off the air. I hope somebody blows up your pumpkin on Halloween. Yeah, Paulie Dangerously. Uh, he's, he spits, John. The rest is spit. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. Uh, Paul was in the studio because we had a Halloween party, ironically, that night. That we went to, uh, <laughs> the WNYG Halloween party at Wee Scotty's uh, Bar in West Babylon. Uh, but um, the caller, uh, Jim, uh, his mom refused to get on the line. Uh, he didn't even ask her, probably. But uh, <laughs> our, produ our producer uh, at the time, Bruce Jacobs, uh, his mom... Uh, live locally. So he called her some quick action and he asked his mother if she would come on the radio show to talk about wrestling with Paulie Dangerously. And his mother wasn't a fan of wrestling. And so that was kind of an interesting uh, back and forth, but it wasn't really Jim's mom. It was Bruce Jacobs' mom. I'll tell you what, she couldn't have done a better job. She did a great job. It's savage, I tell you, savage. It's savage. <laughs> yeah, she was, a, she was a great lady and she's no longer with us. And, uh -huh. um, and they love his, uh, her kids uh, love this clip because they remember it all these years later. And uh, so they have copies of it, you know, just to hear their mom's voice. And I'll tell you what, like you say, this is probably a top five clip because it had it is. Paul absolutely losing his gourd and it was yes. beautiful to listen to. <laughs> it was great. It was just spontaneous combustion. And yeah. it was one of the best uh, segments in the history of the show. Well, speaking of spontaneous combustion, who was a bigger hothead than Terry Funk, John? Oh, my God. I remember this. Remember this well. Yes, he was going to take on Ric Flair in WCW for the NWA title. And boy, did they have great matches together, including, uh, what, I, including what I consider the greatest card in all the Albany area history up in Troy at the RPI Fieldhouse, the I Quit match between Flair and Funk, which I consider... I see Donnie. Don, Donnie was Donnie there? <laughs> Put him back on for a second. Donnie, you, you that was the field house that you were you were at that show too. And Bob, you were there or not? You were not there, Bob. Actually, I wasn't there, but I was involved with WCW giving away tickets for that particular card up in my hometown of yeah. Catskill, New York. I, I have a quick story on that show. Um, Just when so you it, thought you were out, they pull them back in. Go ahead. Right. It, it, it was, it was, of course, obviously TV, and everybody had to be there at a certain time. Uh, around 4 o'clock, all the wrestlers were gathering around in the seatings. They were having a meeting. Gary Justa was addressing people. Um, and somehow that day, Lex Luger came in late, and Gary Hart, who was working as his manager, was complaining of why Lex gets away with coming in late. And Lex was just like eating some Chinese food or something, taking it all in. And Gary Hart's having a meltdown, blah, 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 blah. So at the end of the meeting, um, Ric Flair came to Gary and said uh, he had a package that needed to be picked up at the uh, Albany airport uh, at Delta. And uh, so he was looking for somebody to go get his package. And Bobby Eaton said that he was going to go. And so I said, okay, I'll go with you. Well, they said, nope, none of the wrestlers could leave the building because it was four o'clock. They want to make sure nothing went wrong for live TV. So 
I was drafted along with uh, one of the Japanese photographers, Jimmy Suzuki. And so we were going to go to the airport to get Ric Flair's package. And neither of us knew our way in the dark on how to get to the airport from Troy. So somehow we, we miraculously made it there. We get to Delta and uh, the plane comes and there's no package there to pick up. So now I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to have nothing to give them and I'm going to be in trouble, you know, always worrying. Well, it turned out the package was a woman <laughs> and uh, she saw Jimmy Suzuki. And uh, so we picked her up, found her way back to the field house in Troy. And uh, she uh, spent the evening there with uh, Ric Flair. So that was uh, my remembrance of that. But it was a great match that night, the, the New York knockouts, the, uh, the I quit match. And uh, it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful time. Yeah. Yeah. The culmination of that wonderful feud and that, uh, that I quit match and what a great show. And, uh, yeah, the package, I mean, that's kind of a code word in wrestling that you're going to, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that, that is kind of a code uh, terminology when you're going to pick a package up, you're meeting someone or taking someone, uh, getting someone at the airport. But anyway, Don, thank you for that. Uh, back to Bob, uh, Bob, I mean, just to set this up, I know it's one of my favorite moments ever on the pro wrestling spotlight, this interview with Terry. I didn't know Terry Funk. Uh, you know, I had never really had interacted with him. I didn't know what to expect. So when I got, uh, the okay, and he said he would interview me, I, I would interview him about the match with flair. I didn't know what to expect. And this, these were literally several minutes that scared the crap out of me because he was nose to nose with me. I didn't know what to expect. Terry Funk had no off switch. No, he has no off switch. I mean, when, when the red light is on, you better, you better, you know, you better come correct because I I was scared. He will, he will intimidate you like no other professional wrestler can. So let's, let's go to this because this is a classic clip. And we'll hear Mr. Terry Funk. Terry, you've caused a lot of controversy in the NWA since the attack on Ric Flair that took place not too long ago after Ric uh, regained the World Championship. What motivated you to attack Flair? What motivated me was I looked in the man's eyes and I realized that he was getting ready to sucker punch me. I told the fans across the United States that before and I just got the first punch in on him. I sundered him and that's exactly what he needed at that time. And right now, I am looking forward to July the 23rd in Baltimore when I have a chance at the World's Heavyweight Championship. And believe me, this is the most important thing that there is to me is the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. If you want to look at a championship with a past, with a heritage, with some meaning behind it, with 100 years behind it, well, you look at the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, and you look at the contenders, the top ten contenders, which I happen to be one, John, because well, I am one of the top contenders, and I am going to meet Ric Flair for the World's Heavyweight Championship on the 23rd of July in Baltimore, and believe me, I want to make my career complete. I mentioned it to somebody before. 
that my father passed away in my arms following a professional wrestling match. And I went to his funeral, and there were thousands of people there. But I went to that gravesite, this Memorial Day service, and there was only me and the West Texas Winds there. And I looked down at that gravestone, and I saw that name, F-U-N-K, Funk. And it was right then and there that I said to myself, I am going to make that name synonymous with wrestling forever. And that's exactly what I intend on doing, John. And that's exactly what's going to happen on pay-per-view. So if you people want to see something that's, that, that is different, some title change hands, that's going to change hands that has meaning in the world of professional wrestling, well, you watch that World's Heavyweight Championship change hands. And you want to talk about Ric Flair? You want to talk about who he is, what he's done? Yes, he has been a great champion, yes. But we can't live in the past. Let's go on to the future. And old banana nose, old horse teeth, the old jackass himself doesn't stand a chance against me in the ring, nor does anybody else and I'm not pulling your leg or giving you a bunch of crap. You are talking to the best athlete, best wrestler in the world today. Maybe I'm not the strongest. Maybe I don't have the biggest arms. Maybe I don't have the biggest chest, but I do have the biggest heart, and I do know where I'm going. I am going onward in this profession, and like I said before, I am going to make the name Funk remembered forever, and you John had better remember that, and all of you idiots out here are simple-minded people, I'd rather call you, that are listening to this drive show right now. Remember that name, Funk. Listen, it was the name Funk before anything in this world even became funky. That's right. My father was a pistol and I'm a son of a gun, meaner than a rattlesnake, tougher than shoe leather, more dangerous than a hollow-eyed scorpion, middle-aged and crazy, that's right, crazy like a fox. That's why I've got this opportunity on the 23rd of July in the ring against Ric Flair, and you people are absolutely going to see a title change. That is a promise from me. The only way that I could be happier would be to have the match in Amarillo, Texas. Maybe I can figure out a way to get that match there instead of Baltimore and take it away from all you northern idiots. Well, Terry, I just have to, you just about said it all here. You, I did say it all, John. All right, so that's about it. I'll wrap it up, Terry. If uh, I want to talk some more, I can. Can I, John? Sure, this is your time, oh, sir. Your show. Two oh, hours. This is your show. Two hours. Well, believe me, I could talk about Ric Flair and his faults for two hours. I just wanted to say he one looks thing, like though. Barbara Bush in drag to me, doesn't he? You? Well, he's, <laughs> you have psyched, you have psyched him. Yes, who it do is. you think's going to win the match on the 23rd? Well, I know who you know. I know you're a great champion. You've been you've been a world champion. You I've come from there. you come from a I've classic wrestling and family. I realize right now I'm ranked number 10, and I realize in the count of three I can be number one. Did you ever think about that? I can go. Well, you've definitely proved your, your worth only, over the last four weeks. I'm a mathematician can't go from 10 to 1 in 3 counts, but a professional wrestler can. Well, Terry Funk will get his opportunity to face Ric Flair July 23rd. Nationwide audience pay-per-view coming from Baltimore, Maryland. It should be a classic encounter. A classic indeed. One of the best matches I've ever seen in the history of my watching wrestling, which goes back 50 freaking years or more. And when you think that Terry Funk was an Andy Roy champion in the mid seventies, and here it is, eight, 1989, and he still is vital. He's still a headliner. 
tremendous. I mean, he was one of a kind. It, it, nobody yeah. had a gift of gab like him. Many other people talk, but not, nobody talked like Terry Funk did. No, I just asked him a question, and he went, and he went, and he went, and then I tried to get a word in, and then, you know, it was just kind of this – it was a scary moment for me, though, because I didn't know what to expect. And uh, and, and the funny thing is Gary Hart was uh, there uh, watching the interview, too. And uh, But it was a little disarming for me. But then at the end of the interview, when it was all over and done with and the tape recorder was off, he shook my hand and he said, how was that? Was that good? And, and it was. It was perfect. And then I got to know him a little bit more, booked him at my uh, convention in 1990. Uh, he came on the radio show so many times, uh, developed such a friendship with him, uh, got him involved with AAA, uh, you know, also. Uh, and uh, one of the most uh, endearing relationships I've ever had with anyone in the pro wrestling business was with Terry Funk. And uh, I know he's uh, in Texas right now. And, uh, you know, we wish him the best, wish him a great new year. And uh, it would be a dream of mine to be able to get him to appear on this program uh, to reminisce with us, but that's a difficult thing to do with him at this point. But thank you. I mean, uh, that clip is, uh, it just brings back, it gives me goosebumps. It really does. How could it not? Yeah. And um, speaking of big moments for the show, Mm -hmm. Cactus Jack became your erstwhile co-host sometimes. (laughs) He was was on a lot. He he was a regular on the show. Yeah. But there's no time like the first time. And the clip right. you're about to play is his very first Pro Wrestling Spotlight appearance. Yeah, and I didn't know too much about him. Uh, I was uh, introduced to him. Really? By, yeah, I didn't know very much about him. I had not seen the footage from uh, Texas where he was competing at the time. Uh, but then I, you know, after this first show that he appeared on, um, I didn't know uh, much about him. I, all I knew was like I seen him. He was an imposing figure, and uh, he 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 uh, wanted to stand up during the show and not sit down. And I turned a microphone on and let him go, and went back and forth with him. And it was the first of um, it was first of many many more. He was probably the person who appeared on the pro wrestling spotlight more than anybody else did, and it was the beginning of a friendship which endures to this day. And this, you know, was the fir- this was the first time. As you speak, you've jogged my memory for the first time I met Cactus Jack. It was at a sold show. You know what that is? Yes, they do. When an organization just pays pays for a show, right. for a charity usually. And this show had the Rock and Roll Express, Manny Fernandez versus Wahoo McDaniel. Cactus opened against Damian Kane, if, I, if my memory mm-hmm. serves. And, and so many more real superstars, and there were about 35 people in the audience. Hmm. But because it was a sold show, they all went on. I mean, Wahoo even bled against Manny Fernandez. It was an amazing thing to watch because you had all these superstars from around the wrestling. I don't know who I don't I don't know who the promoter was. All I know is they brought in all these stars from all over the country, and it wasn't an AWA show. It wasn't it didn't have a name, it was just such such high school because it's a high school gymnasium. I never saw anything like it. But that's the first time I saw Cactus Jack. And I could be wrong about this. I'll have to ask him. I don't think Cactus was booked on this show. I think this was one of something that Cactus did more than a few times that he kind of showed up and hoped somebody didn't right. show he up. Might, he he might have set the ring up. Yeah, that too. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to ask him. He probably doesn't even remember the show after the millions oh, of might. miles he's logged. But he that's he, the first he, time I met Cactus. And you know what? He put on he put on a great show. He he wrestled at his headband, I recall. Mm-hmm. 
He used to wear a headband on the way yeah, to the, the ring. Ca- in those that's days. the Cactus Jack Manson days. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think him and Kane went to, of course, a ten-minute time limit draw or something like that. So, but that's uh, you just jog my memory. I, thank you for that because it's like I there'll be a lot more of that coming up. I mean, every yeah. week when I put up a new show and I and I upload a show, it jogs my memory, and I'm like, it just kind of it's kind of surreal. So in this clip, did you have any idea that Mr. Cactus Jack would go off on a tangent about television? No, I did not. I just let him go. And uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I mean, he used the pro wrestling spotlight, not just, you know, this is the first time, but he used to practice promos and, you know, increase what he called his muscle memory about uh, developing a promo style. And he had carte blanche, especially after his first appearance. Anytime he wanted to grace the studio or come on the show, open invitation, and uh, people will hear why after this very first clip about television and two iconic television <laughs> shows. That's the kind of guy he was. Once you met him, you wanted to have him come around again. He's just yes. that kind of a person. So um, here we go. And here's a little, little insider tip. If you listen real closely to this clip, you can hear former local independent star and WWF wrestler Broadway Sonny Blaze in the background offering a couple of comments. So here it is, the first time Mick Foley on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. I never forget this. Did the entire show standing up? He wouldn't sit down. And he just had the microphone in his hand and he stood up the entire time. And then he got into speaking about a comparison between the Munsters and the Adams family. Now, check this out because this is a classic. Shane Douglas, lots of guys. You know, it's good competition. I like that Southern style. Of wrestling, it's a lot rougher than than what's yeah. been happening uh, up here as far as WWF goes. Yeah, well, no you know, it's like Harrison, it's all. I don't see it, <clears throat> people. They ask me about that, and I, I don't, you know, I have trouble with, with it because basically I can't figure out tastes. It's you take. It's like why would someone rather listen to Bon Jovi than than Hank Jr. Mm-hmm. or the, a Kink song or something like that? Why? I don't know why would I mean this is an even greater example if something doesn't speak for taste in this country I mean you take Herman Munster okay and then you play him back to back with the Adams family and people actually sit there and tell you, oh, I don't like those monsters you know but but turn the Adams family on how <laughs> I mean why how can you take how can someone sit there and take you know John Adams over Herman Munster because he's easier to look at you know you got Car- Herman I mean he's a better He's a better character. I mean, he's more interesting. It's like it's almost like Ric Flair is the Herman Munster of professional wrestling, and some of these other people they don't want to tune in because they like John Adams, you know. Just Hulk Hogan, right? <laughs> well, I'm not going to put names, you know. Let them figure it out. But yeah, I mean, if Ric Flair, he's as far as I'm concerned, he's Herman Munster. Okay. So it's which more, is who's probably, Morticia right now? <laughs> no, no. What about Lurch? That's what the, you take the whole cast, right? right. Grandpa, could be Andre the Giant, I guess. Right? Yeah, um, yeah, Grandpa. You know, you're gonna compare him to Cousin It. There is no comparison. <laughs> you know what I mean? Lily Munster to Morticia. The, the Eddie. The kids are they're completely normal. I haven't even seen an episode where the kids were on it except where you know. I don't know. I don't like the theme song. I don't like any of it. But so, for some people, hey, the Adams family's it. They're the same people. You know. So I mean, it's like. I get on a plane. No, I don't get on a plane. But somebody sees someone on a plane, and he says, "Oh, he says, oh, you wrestle? Oh, I saw so and so. He's a big guy. Oh, he's a big guy. I mean, is that your attitude of professional wrestling? He's a big guy. Why don't you join? You know, pay a hundred dollars, go to a to go to a physique 
physique gym and say, oh, they're big guys, they're big guys, but they're not in our business. That's not what they, if they want to pump weights, if they want to pump each other, it's not what we do. You understand why? Is he's a big guy, he's a big guy. I mean, he's a fat guy. He's a fat guy. He's a fat guy. He's a fat guy. You know, what, what is this? It's not what we do. So I don't, I don't know what Herman Munster has to do with bodybuilding. I, I don't know if Herman Munster lifted weights. I don't know any, I mean, it, I try to figure it out. I don't. I'm getting confused that I'm... Um, <laughs> our listeners, are, but then you know, like it, they could relate to you. Most of them, anyhow, I guess. But what I basically, you know, that's the thing I'm basically saying mm-hmm. is t- tastes. Sure, I understand. They differ, you know. That's like why someone would like to bite into a Big Mac when they could be have having a Whopper. Yeah, yeah, right? oh, yeah, not a oh, oh, man. You're in the same boat, John. I'm talking about you could be eating a ah swearing, <laughs> no swearing on the show. You could be eating a steak and a potato, and instead you're having a Big Mac and French fries and liking it. That's the problem, you know. It's the problem with the USA. That's right point. now. He's got a point there. What does Herman Munster have to do with bodybuilding? I have no idea. Well, listen, Jack, uh, Cactus Jack, Mr. Manson, it's been a pleasure having you here today. It's been an interesting. I did survive the two hours, which in, we started this program. I was hoping to get by the past first five minutes without... Uh, being attacked, but uh, I do appreciate you coming down here, taking time out of your busy schedule. John, I showered to come here. Mm-hmm. And we'll definitely give you uh, an expense bill to the owners of the station tomorrow to try to compensate you for this appearance. Com- what did you buy me? I mean, um, a, a blueberry muffin? Tomorrow you may get a stale juice? donut or something like that. We have some coffee that's been there since last week, if you'd like a cup before Not we leave. I mean, I'll g- I mean, I liked being on the show. I might do it again. You're not that you. You know. I mean, Sonny's here. He told me you knew wrestling. I mean, you know, I come on and, and we had a good, good couple hours. People ask pretty good questions, but please. I mean, if you're gonna watch the monsters, it's. I mean, I mean, if I could put it up in a nutshell, I'm being like, you know, I don't mean to be religious, but I'm like speaking in parables. It seems like. I mean, what? I mean, if you don't know what I mean by watch the monsters, they're on PIX too, right? Right. On TBS and PIX, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that a coincidence? It's, it makes me think. And that's what I'm basically here for. Good heavens. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. That was insane. And he was going, and he was, you know, just, uh, he was ad-libbing, and he was he was all over the place in it in a lot of ways. But it was the, it's really fascinating because it's one of the earliest, uh uh, parts of his career that he actually got to talk a lot too. I mean, and this gave him the forum to do that. And of course, he got better and better and better and better. Yes, he did. Boy, did he get good. I mean, yeah. no matter where he went and what he did, um, I, I do believe at the end his promos were as important as his matches. And it, oh, you yeah. couldn't say that about him in the beginning, but as he developed, you could just mm-hmm. see him coming out of his shell. And, and he was himself. Even though they threw mankind on him, did anybody ever work harder to put a character over than he did? No. In the WWE? He gave everything a lot of thought. And I think his real transformation uh, into this incredible promo cutting machine was when he was with ECW as well. And especially when he turned, when he turned heel and started wrestling cleanly in the promos that he did there, especially after uh, the, the sign guy held up the sign, Kane Dewey, which was his son. 
and and he put together a promo that to this day is one of the best that you'll ever hear anywhere. What a great oh, yeah. talent! I remember that one too. That was that was classic. Wow. But but it all started here in uh, September, I think it was, of 1989. Crazy. Well, next this this next one is a real favorite of mine because speaking of talkers, never given the credit for being an amazing talker is luscious Johnny Valiant. Am I right? Oh, you're absolutely correct. And uh guy did some stand-up comedy. He had, he was a he had a great wit. He was quick. Uh and he used to come up with stuff and uh, I could listen to interviews that I did with him in 1975 with the Valiant brothers backstage and but he was always an amazing quick-witted guy. So it was always a pleasure to talk to him. Old school too. And uh, you know Very. What, one thing I, I find a little not confusing about this, but it's it's where you met Johnny Valiant, or excuse me, yeah, Johnny Valiant for this clip. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's going to manage. Let's see here, Ivan Koloff. Yes, and he's going to take Albano on David with, San Martino, who's going to be managed by, managed Lou, by Albano. Lou Albano. And I'm scratching my head, going, "What? Where? Who? What year is this? What? Who? Yeah, Maybe it was 80, 89. Yeah." It was a Tommy yeah. D show. Oh, that that explains it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Throw, and, throw them together. Uh, yeah, they put them all together, and they were just you know going back and forth on the history of Albano and Valiant and San Martino put in the mix and Koloff, of course. So it was kind of uh, an interesting uh, quartet uh, in that match that night. But uh, Johnny V and Captain Lou uh, stole the show. Well, this is a short clip, but Johnny Valiant mm-hmm. de- didn't need a lot of time to put his points across. Uh, no. He was a rapid-fire orator, as it were, and boy, is this a lot of fun to listen to. Let's go to this right now. Johnny Valiant is a funny guy, and he was on. It's only about a two-minute piece, but uh, check this out with luscious Johnny V talking about uh, his protege for the night, Ivan Koloff, who was about to take on David San Martino. John Anthony for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, and of course the air of excitement is happening here in Brooklyn. The Universal Wrestling Superstars, their debut show. Koloff is no stranger to anybody in professional wrestling unless you've been living in a cave somewhere. The man is a true legend in his own, uh, in his own not his own mind like San Martino, but his man is a true legend even amongst the pro wrestlers themselves. The guy did defeat Bruno San Martino, the somewhat of a small legend in the professional wrestling business, a few years back. And, of course, uh, I think it's so beautiful tonight because he's going to defeat this punk San Martino Jr. Uh, right before his old man. You know, uh, when uh, Mr. and Mrs. San Martino, they never got divorced, the reason being that nobody wanted custody of David San Martino. You know that. That's, that's the pretty reason heavy why. words, John. They are very heavy. In fact, uh, you know, that's going to be very heavy tonight when Ivan Koloff delivers off that top rope, that big Prussian and Russian knee drop off that top rope across that San Martino's Adam's apple. It's going to be a very interesting. And I want to see the look of anguish on San Martino Sr.'s face when the son loses one, two, three tonight. Here in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. yeah. Of course. Also in the corner of David San Martino is... Uh, an old acquaintance of yours, a manager of yours, Captain Lou Albano. Now, uh... well, I won't hold that against you by saying that, of course. Now, Lou Albano is a kind of a kind of a hemorrhoid, you know, as far as socially. The guy's a half with the minute slob. He hangs around the men's room at LaGuardia Airport, you know, looking for work and stuff. Of course, now, San Martino uh, and Albano, I understand, are somewhat uh, very good friends outside the ring. So it's going to be a kind of a triple threat here, if you're going to see it, because I, I would, if, if, if that Albano puts his uh, linguini nose anywhere near that ring, luscious Johnny V is going to box his ears for him. You understand that? How much? How many points you get across in a minute thirty-five? Uh, quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, full bang, biff, pow. I mean, he yeah. he just starts. He's he's like one of those old lawnmowers where you had to crank it, and once it got started, you, it was hard to shut it off after that. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. 
I have uh, I have the the complete interview obviously uh, in the archive somewhere, and that's uh, when Captain Lou actually joins the fray. Uh, so I'll have to find that and put that up for the patrons, uh, uh, patreon.com slash John Arezzi. But that was a great segment. And for me, it was always cool to go backstage uh, back then and see these legends and these heroes of mine and then getting a chance to talk to them and interview them and, and let them go and do the, do what they do best. Uh, so that's why this stuff is just gold to me, Bob. It's just gold. I love it. Absolute gold. And I don't want to sound like a commercial, but Patreon, if yeah. you want to hear more things like that, that's the place to go. There's so much there right now. There's so much uh, content there from the 70s on up and always more. Every Sunday night, we're putting up content where every Sunday the patrons get uh, they don't know what they're going to get each and every week, except for the podcast early, uh, you know, whatever show that we're reviewing, like this particular show, they'll have the entire show uh, without without uh, any interruptions, uh, with the commercials in it, the unedited shows, and they get all these other rare archives. So patreon.com slash John Arisi. He said it, folks. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're looking for stuff you won't hear anyplace else and – wrestlers coming out of their shells at a time when they didn't really come out of their shells. It was the pro original version of the pro wrestling spot. Like there was nothing else like it at the time. And it's a history lesson every time you tune in. Yep. So um, there's the first half of the show. And uh, we go from, uh, <laughs> we go from the clips to your featured guests. They have the warmth of a new puppy. Yeah, I'm sure. That, yeah. Right. The rapier right. wit of Sir Oscar Wilde. Yeah. And physiques the size of two small condominiums. Yes. Here come, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm just going to play this, John. Go ahead. Here's a warm hello from the Power Twins. Season's beatings, John. Welcome back from uh, Puerto Rico. I see you sticking to your diet real close. Buenos, buenos nachos, Dunkin' Donuts breath. They're in the other studio. Maybe I should keep them in there. Hi, Larry. Hi, David. Yeah, they were very warm, especially <laughs> when we hadn't seen each other for a while. And yeah. they're still the same. Is that right? They're still the same. I saw them in Vegas a few months ago at the CAC reunion, and um, their trademark, sticking up the middle finger to take a picture with you. I mean... Uh, they're still doing that? Yeah, that's their gimmick, man. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, they, but they were always now they're more beloved than they were back then. People well, hate here's them. The, here's the here's the deal. They traveled around the country and wrestled in some federations, and some gave them a push, some didn't. I mean, even in Memphis, they didn't really get much of a push. But I will say this: since they've decided to leave the ring, they've acted in more movies than you can count. Oh, yeah. I didn't know this until like I, I decided to research these guys a little bit. They've been in all kinds of films. Ocean's Eleven, big yeah. roles with yeah. uh, George Clooney. Yeah, I mean they got the right look for that kind of film, don't they? Oh yeah, and they've yeah. done commercials and appearances on so many shows, and they uh, are still doing that stuff. And and uh, David is a is is actually a screenwriter now. <laughs> He's writing movies. Uh, it, they're just an amazing uh, two uh, guys that never hit the big time partially because of attitude because they were uh very hard to deal with in a lot of ways and uh they had the unfortunate uh 
uh, trainer, Dr. D. David Schultz, is the guy who trained him, and he was blackballed from the WWF, so uh, they never had that opportunity to go into the big federation. Oh, I, I see. Well, all I know is they never shut it off. I was no. They went to Plain Age High School, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm backstage one time, and I'm I'm talking to Paul Orndorff. And here comes, or you know, in a locker room. I shouldn't say backstage. <laughs> it was a high school show, but here, here comes the Power Twins. that go, hey guys, you know, because they've been to our offices, and I've met them before. I go, hey, you must be really excited to be here in your high school performing in front of your hometown friend. They, they went. Who cares? I don't care. You care? I don't. There, you care? I don't care. They, they. I said, really? Now nah, it's just another card to us. I'm like, really? They had an answer for every question. Got in a lot of trouble with those guys on the air, with the well, insults I, and. Well, the, I, I'll say know. this: when I was pulling these clips, I had to, I had to like walk on eggshells because it's like there's some stuff I wouldn't feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> All these years later, there's a lot of stuff I didn't feel comfortable like replaying for this show. Yeah. So if you want to hear all of it, you have to go to patreon.com and hear this episode uncut. Yes. It's the only place to hear. No, the but they've got me in a lot of trouble and they're, they're obnoxious to this day. And, uh, you know, in the, <laughs> in, in the beginning days and in the, in the, in the first uh, beginning, when I first met them, I was really intimidated by them. Because I, I didn't know if they were shooting with me or were working with me. And I and they were quite large guys. And um, I was a little intimidated by them. How could you not be? Because so they, they never shut it off. Yeah, they, they ran roughshod they, they rough on me in the first several months of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Because they'd come in unannounced. They'd just come in and go into the studio and sit down and just start insulting uh, the listeners. And got well, us in uh, problems with, uh, you know, with, with, with several organizations for handicap. Well, speaking of that, let's let's hear the Power Twins. Yes, yeah, let's listen to them. Talk to both you and the fans. Brace yourselves, folks. Let's go to our first caller, Pat from Hicksville. Pat, you oh, are God, first today. You? Okay. Um, I have two wishes for 1992 first. Um, I hope the Cactus Jack puts out Van Hammer out of wrestling. And my other wish is that your show stays on WGGP. 1992. Well, I certainly appreciate that. If we're not here, we'll be at the WEVD 1050 on the Dow, which is the OWHN, uh, reachable in five states, and that would be a Sunday night slot uh, anywhere, I believe, 9 or 10 o'clock. But, uh, you know, I love it here, you know, so hopefully we'll stay. We don't know what's going to happen. We'll find out by tomorrow afternoon, that's for sure. Okay, my question for you is that um, you, you mentioned something about you doing a TV show a few times. Yes. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I was going to bring that up. It's, uh, I have the information right here. It's going to be on WNYX TV. And it'll be reachable on, in three areas, uh, Nassau County on Channel 44, which is UHF, so get out your loop antennas, Channel 38 in Manhattan, Channel 54 in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn. Uh, we were going to start it next Saturday. It's been uh, postponed till January 18th will be the first day. Uh, with my dad's surgery coming up, I just really have to clear the schedule out uh, to make sure everything's fine there before I, I uh, undertake this uh, TV show. Okay, thanks a lot. I hope your dad does well. Thank you, Pat. Bye. By the way, John, you can't leave so fast. They'd be such a huge space we used to sit that I don't think they could fill it, fill it for a long Come on, time. Guys, you know, you've been picking on my weight for three friggin' years now. I know what they can do. They Why don't you cut it out? I'll challenge you right now. We'll go. We'll Let do me that. ask you, John. They can make it to a parking spot for handicap. Let me ask you a question, John. You guys seem to you didn't drop any poundage down in Puerto Rico yourselves. Nothing right rice and beans to keep your weight up. John, <laughs> good for the we cash, have all the weight in the right place, but we need, we need to ask you a question, John. We see you wearing black today. Is that because Walter Hudson died? 
And I understand you were the Babylon uh, president hey, of the Walter Hudson Fan thing. Club. They needed, they want eight, I was, my sister, my sister Donna says they should call up the power twins because they need the, uh, the power lifters to lift his casket to be pallbearers. So they need eight guys to volunteer. You guys are in the bodybuilding field. You work Listen, out all John, the time. They, Why don't you get some of your buddies to do something nice and uh, transport Mr. Hudson to his final resting place. Now, I said if I died in my sleep, I'd only need two of you, two guys. So you could be my pallbearers if I drop dead within the next week. Well, we heard that all the flags in uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken at half mass since Walter died. He's being buried in the parking lot in Hempstead. Yeah, because I understand he was customer year at all McDonald's. Because I walked to McDonald's the other day. Everybody's wearing black armbands, John. But if you died in your sleep, they'd have to cut a hole in the wall to get you through the wall, too. Probably get a forklift to get you out, too. Well, thanks for those comments. I certainly appreciate it. And welcome. Uh, you can by the way, John. Stop here any time. By the way, John. in 92, wherever I am, you can come on every week and just do the same damn thing to me. But, by the way, John, let me ask you a question. I understood that Walter Hudson was in the clothes business. Is that a Walter Hudson original you're wearing there, John? I know there's no polo guy. It looks like it got some guy riding an elephant. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Jeff from Farmingdale, you're next. Uh, yeah, John, I got two wishes. Uh, my first wish is... I wish the Power Twins would go full-time or retire, be quiet. Okay. And the Don't second one glow video. is I wish uh, Global would get a good push for the year. And uh, I got one question. What do you think Pillman will do? How will he get his belt back or where or when? Or? Well, they might, uh, he might get it back in March over in, uh, in Japan when he goes over there. Will they pay-per-view that? or? Uh, don't know. I know they're taping the January show for pay-per-view. Uh, but uh, Pillman is scheduled to go there on a brief tour in March, so he'll probably get it back then. All right, all right. Uh, I hope to hear you here next week. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, hey, let me on. ask you a question. Would you follow us if we went to another station? Sure. Okay. All right. Hey, thank you. 955-1240 is your number to call. Another guy who obviously has a lot of free time on his hands, John. Okay, Rich from Aberdeen, New Jersey. Rich, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing? Okay, my wish would be that Flair gets the belt at the Royal Rumble. Well, it looks like that wish will come true for you. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to know, is there any chance that the Ultimate Warrior is going to be at Battle Bowl tonight? No. Because I had heard there was a rumor that... I spoke to someone who was within the company yesterday, and they really told me there was no way. Anybody gonna, new going to show up there? Just, uh, you know, Juice and Thunder Liger will be on the show tonight. Okay. You know what uh, I want to see more than anything tonight? I want to see Cactus Jack teaming up with Ricky Steamboat. Oh, that could what a team good. that would be. Either that or Cactus in the ring against Steamboat. I think tonight everyone's going to be surprised. I think this show tonight is really going to be an excellent show. Well, there's a lot of possibilities. Yes, there is. Okay, thanks a lot. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Rich. Hey, John, the only, thing I think you're, the only thing I think you're dying to see is your toes. You haven't seen them in years. Among other parts, I guess. It's a good thing uh, it's raining out today, huh? I'm, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just take over the show? You want to just take it over and I'll leave? Call it the power hour. No, yes. John, no, John, it's your show. You know, you're, you're much bigger than we are, so it's your show. Thanks. Uh, Richie from Jackson Heights, you're next. Hello, John. How are you? Okay, Rich. Uh, two things. Are you aware that uh, Dr. Zaharian was uh, sentenced on a Friday? No, matter of fact, I was not. Well, it's in today's New York Times. If you mind, it's just a short little article. I'll read it to you. Yes, why don't you do that? Okay. It says here, George T. Zaharian, the doctor convicted of selling steroids to professional wrestlers, was sentenced Friday in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, to three years in Pennsylvania. Zaharian, a urologist, was also fined $12,700 in order to serve two years probation after the jail term, which starts February 3rd. Zaharian said he plans to appeal the conviction. Okay. Three years, which is really nothing, on good behavior, he's out within a year. Probably so. So. The good, the, the good doctor made 
thousands, maybe millions, selling steroids to wrestlers. Man. That's free enterprise, John. That's free enterprise system. Well, America's a beautiful place. That's what makes America great. Okay. The great country that it is, where a guy can make money and go to jail for two months. Mm -hmm. And I have one other question. What happened to the coach in the WWF? John Tolis is back in California, and he'll be coming on this program because he felt he was mistreated by Vince McMahon, and he doesn't want to speak out about it. Everybody treats us as mistreated by Vince McMahon. Including us. Yeah, okay. 955-1240. I'll tell you, John, home. we've had a lot of managers in the past. We've had all kinds of freaks, Greeks, and geeks. we got to say the Golden Greek was probably one of the, our favorite managers of all time. Hey, I managed you guys for one night. Yeah, like, like I said, said, John. Freaks, the geeks, <laughs> and all the other things we had called managers. Back in 89. Right, but like and I said, the Golden Greek was one of our favorite. You were just the heaviest. That's great. Boy, little the Power Twins go a long way, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah, they, uh, it was always uh, a pleasure to have them sitting next to me. I, well, here's let's just go right to this next one because All this right. is only a few seconds long, and this, 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 describe, uh, just play it. I'll just play it. <laughs> John, John, I got a question. I was listening you mentioned Joe Pettacino. I know that man carries a lot of weight in the business, been around a long time. And, you know, you carry a lot of weight in the business, John. You've been out around for a few years now. My question is, John, who weighs more, you or Pettacino? Hmm, good question. I guess uh, well, I guess we'll have to step on scales to see. I know we got Dick Van Dyke's bastard son here, in <laughs> all, all confused. <laughs> I think you should have call-in votes right now. Everyone to call in right now and see who they think is the heaviest, Joe or John. You know, and I, invi yes I no? invited these guys here today. I actually invited the two heaviest you. guys in business, guys carrying the most weight, nice Joe Pettacino and John Arezzi. People nice calling now and put in your vote to see who do you think weighs more. We'll get the truck scale out here. We'll weigh John. Right. But we want you people tell you what to, we're gonna do. to we're try gonna and guess our, his weight. We're going to take our last commercial break of the day as you contemplate uh, more insults to me. Have you ever been more happy to go to, to a commercial break? Yeah, but I knew that the agony would continue when that commercial break was over with. <laughs> it's true. And uh, the, <laughs> I'm sorry, but all they were was a nonstop jibe factory. All they did yeah. was insult, insult, insult. Yeah, that they, was do that to, they, they do that to this day. I mean, they don't even call me by my name. They call me Big Pork Barbecue. <laughs> but but the thing is, they don't shut it off. Like, if you see them privately, they're still doing that, right? Yeah. Yeah, Big Pork Barbecue, that's what they call me, and that's what they do privately, publicly. That's who they are, and they're still the same. Well, if you want a few more insults, fans, we've got them here. This is about uh, nine more minutes of the Power Tunes, along with a, a guest calling uh, Larry from LNS Comics. Mm. Uh, explain how important LNS was to your to your show. Uh, very critical to the show. They were the first uh, real regular sponsors of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, and they featured, uh, you know, wrestling memorabilia. Larry was just a, a wealth of knowledge when it came to collectibles and wrestling figures, action figures, from the early days. And uh, they stayed with me uh, on at every station, and uh, we did a lot of business with MLS, brought wrestlers there, and. Uh, including the infamous Jake the Snake Roberts appearance where he showed up all drugged up and couldn't sign autographs, and the Power Twins stepped in and replaced him at LNS. But uh, Larry and Steve, his partner, were great uh, to do business with, and we wish Larry well going into the new year. And uh, he had a massive stroke uh, this year, 
uh, and is um, there's a GoFundMe page uh, for him, uh, and I'd love people to check that out. And they're just trying to get Larry back home, and uh, and um, sad, uh, but a great guy, Larry Spitz from LNS Comics, uh, truly uh, instrumental in uh, keeping the show on with the sponsorships over the years. Well- I think one of the reasons that they were such loyal sponsors, number one, I think I know they liked the show, but number two, they had a heck of a store and it was a yeah, really, popu- really popular store too. And a, pl- a place for, like you say, autograph signings and things like that. Oh yeah. And it was a perfect uh, audience for them because they got tons of business from our listeners. And, uh, uh, but you know, talking to Larry about what toys were coming up at the T's go to the toy fairs and the toy shows and, and about the collectibles and the action figures and the, and the rare variants that he would, stock in a store it was the place to go if you wanted to uh, uh to get the hottest wrestling memorabilia of that era absolutely so let's go to the clip featuring uh larry and the other larry right now chris from hicksville you're next uh yes how you doing hey chris um, i have a question for the power twins go ahead um when are they gonna wrestle some good guys like some people from the wwf I guess when uh, Vince McMahon and uh, the powers of being the WWF decide they want the Power Twins in the organization, you guys would go work there, wouldn't you? Hey, John, that was very well said. I, I don't think we could have said it any better. Very yeah. eloquent, John. Have another donut. How do you think they'd match up against the World Warriors? Uh, I don't think there'd be no competition there. Those two painted-up freaks, they wouldn't stand a chance. No, I'm talking about the Road Warriors probably destroy you guys. Those two painted-up freaks, John. There's only one way to find out, and that's for us to step in the ring with them. I guess we'll arrange that uh, sometime in 92, hopefully. Thanks for your call, 955-1240. Pete from Eatontown, New Jersey. Yes, John, happy new year. Happy new year to you, Pete. Uh, I have four wishes. The first one is, of course, the Pro Wrestling Spotlight has a prosperous 92. Doesn't miss one week. Thank you. Second one is that the WWF, WCW get back to, uh, especially WWF gets back to more serious style of wrestling. Less gimmicks. Uh... Number three, more independent shows. And number four, that Paul E switches back to decaf coffee. He's out of control, isn't he? He's great. Yes, he is. Uh, one question for you. Uh, relates to your guests. Yeah. Is it true what I heard that they stayed up all night studying for a blood test? Is that true? It was? Yeah, you stay No, up we night? don't have to study. We study for a urine test, though, Einstein. Oh. Very good. Pete, thanks for your call. Okay, John, thank you. And yeah, Pete, get that video and stay in the closet for a couple of days, will you? The glow, the glow video's on the way. Thank you. Take care now, Pete. Bye-bye. 955-1240, Larry from LNS Comics. How are you doing, John? How you doing, Larry? Oh, well, hopefully uh, it'll be a prosperous new year for the both of us again. Yes. And um, as I said, once again, uh, we'll still continue to sponsor... Uh, you know, Pro Wrestling Spotlight, as long as it's on the air. So, well, you are our first uh, sponsor. All the fans will know that they'll always be able to get the latest releases through us. Um, at the same time, hopefully, for wrestling, it would be a wonderful idea if WCW would continue in bringing in some of the Japanese wrestlers, a la they brought in uh, Liger, which, from what I'm to understand, everybody's going crazy over. Yeah. So, when, if, that, if uh, WCW would just look at, you know, seeing what the fans actually want, bringing more of the Japanese wrestlers, I think they'd be well on their way to uh, making a dent into some of the WWF's uh, coffers. Well, Muda's coming in at WCW in January, and he'll spend, uh, I think, the first quarter of the year here. Uh, so they will be bringing in other Japanese stars, and uh, I think WCW is on, it's on a roll right now, and if they continue the same thing what they're doing, 
Um, it's going to be some enjoyable wrestling for all of us in 92. Yep, it, that would be a very good idea for WCW to do. Well, listen, Larry, thanks for your, your support and your patronage over the last few years, and hopefully we'll continue a long relationship. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank you publicly for all you've done to help keep us on the airwaves. You're more than welcome. Also, if, there, if there's a problem for tomorrow, if you want, give me a call. And uh, people know that my number, so if they want, they can always call me, and we'll let them know what station you'll actually be on. Okay. Whether you'll still be with the... Um, uh, GBB, or if you're going to be on the other stage. Well, our meeting here is at 3 p.m., so uh, by 5 o'clock tomorrow we'll know what's going on. Yeah, give me a call, and if anybody calls us at, you know, uh, 489-9636 or 489-X-Men, we'll be glad to let them know what the situation is. Okay, thanks a lot, Larry. Thank you, John. Okay. Have a happy new year. You too. Bye-bye. 955-1240 is the number to call here. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight, Pat from Massapequa, you're next. Yes, uh, happy holidays to everyone. Happy holidays to you, Pat. Uh, first wish for the new year would be either an in-studio visit from Ebony Eyes, star of many LNS Scott, LNS Scott <laughs> videos. Ebony My, Eyes is her name? Yes. Have you ordered some of those videos, Pat? Oh, yes. Okay. I try to patronize the sponsors. Thank you very much. I certainly appreciate it. Hey, and, Pat, get a job, will you? Hey, you guys, I thought you were up studying all night for that guy. Get a job. Get a job. Get a hobby or something, man. I thought you guys were up all night studying for that guy's sister's pap test. Well, at least we had a, <laughs> at least we have a purpose in life, and we don't sit on and watch videos all night. At least night. you can, like, read and not, like, just look at pictures, you moron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, John. Tell your mother put you back in your closet now, right, Pat? Just <laughs> shut up. Sorry, Pat. Excuse them. They know, they know not what they do. No, John, we know exactly what we're doing. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm twice as big as John, so maybe I'll come down there and squash him myself. Well, let me get the tow truck. We'll, we'll send him out to pick you up. Well, let me ask you a question. Pound uh, for pound. Pound for pound. Your foot with the lawnmower. That's why you pound for pound. Who carries more cellulite? You or John? Say what? Pound for pound. Who carries more cellulite on your fat thighs? You or John? Well, or are you like a Walter Hudson look like you well, moron? Your partner's carrying you. Are you be carrying Walter the other next day? Are you going to be carrying Walter Hudson? Pat, I, apolo carrying him? I, I apologize for Wait the... Wait, you busy uh, stuff in your face with Big Macs. For the statement. Hey, Mo and Larry, what happened to Curly? <laughs> Listen, Pat, we got to run. Thank Easy, you for your call. Chubby. Thanks for your call, Pat, and Happy New Year to you. Kevin from Lindenhurst, you're next. Hey, John, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Ready to get your power twins, man. Why don't you guys lose some weight? You guys are so stupid. We want to lose some weight? Hey, hey John, hang up the phone. Hey, that's a good question. Grow up, man, grow up. We'll lose the, we'll lose that's the a weight. That's a great question. up on you, moron. Go back to watching your cartoons, you idiot. Boom up. Thanks for your call. Anyhow, Kevin, Happy New Year to you. Denise from Oceanside, you're next. Hi. Um, is Terry Taylor leaving the York Foundation? Yeah. Yes, he is. Then what are they going to do with the six-man tag team? I guess they'll have to relinquish those belts or we'll lose them at uh, any time now. But look for Denise, how old are you? Nine. Nine? I <laughs> oh, forget it. <laughs> We don't want any more calls from the FHFCC. <laughs> We're getting FCC calls. We continue with that me. one, John. Jeff from Great Neck, you're next. How you doing, John? Okay, Jeff. Um, first of all, I'd have to say that my wish for the new year is that there uh, would be some local shows in Queens, Rolling Island. Here, here. Seems that uh, the problem is that um, in order for an independent show to be successful, it's got to seat a couple thousand people, and there are very few venues in this area that can actually seat that many. So it uh, becomes. Uh, <laughs> You know, comes a, a rarity when there's actually a show in the area. Um, I just have a couple of comments. Um, one of them is uh, that I was at the WCW show at the Meadowlands on Friday, and I thought it was a fantastic card. The <coughs> crowd um, was really into it from what I heard. Yeah, um, but the, the main comment, they gave um, they gave Tillman and Liger a standing ovation after it was over. 
and uh, they um, they hugged and they raised each other's hands and uh, went over real well with the crowd. Um, one of the best live shows I've seen, even though the main event, you know, this is what Vince does really well. He sends the fans home happy. And WCW, they put on uh, a great show, and then the, the last match, there seems to be a pointless double countout for no reason. They're fighting on the apron. Um, they're, you know, they're trying to get into the ring, and the ref just rings the bell and says, that's it, you know, match over. And well, that's when you, you gotta get you got to get the management involved and say, hey, there's got to be a decisive winner here. You yeah, know. well, you know... you got to do that or else you got to just tell a guy, hey, you're fired if you're not going to do what I say. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the other thing is that um, Titan knows how to uh, schedule a show. If um, if your main event is not going to have a decisive ending, you put it on before intermission, and you end the show in uh, a pinfall for one of the faces, and uh, the crowd goes home happy. And, uh, you know, you'd think that Dusty would have learned something from Vince uh, being over there for a year. And he's been back here a year, and he's still doing the same things that he was doing... Uh, you know, in, in 87 and 88. Well, I guess the, the good outweighed the bad anyhow for the Metal Ant show the other night, though. Sure, that was, it was really good. But the other thing is that, you know, they bring in a guy like Liger, but other than Pillman, who can uh, who can they put him up against? I mean, they announced that at the Omni they're going to put him against Johnny B. Bad. Well, they got to start, uh, from what I understand, uh, you guys were even telling me that, that uh, Jody Hamilton is going to be training a bunch of new guys down in the, in the southern part of the country to... to uh, hey, Don, that's what we We were flying over in the airplane. It's exactly what we heard. Yeah, we picked up his radio signal because we had our uh, we had our rabbit ears hanging out the window of the plane. <laughs> yeah, well, one eighty was serving us our rice and beans. We happened to pick this up on the headphones. At at this point in the show, John, you must have been pulling your hair out. Yeah, it was uh, there was a lot of anxiety, <laughs> not ju- not just from those guys being there, but uh, it was also kind of like, is it the end of an era? Are we going to the big station in New York City? Or are we staying at WGBB? It's you know, I'm, I'm looking at Vince Russo, who's there. Am I happy with this relationship that uh, I have entered into? Uh, it was a it was a high anxiety leaving '91, going into 1992, as everyone's going to hear play out soon. You see, I found it interesting the way you handled it on the show. At the beginning of the show, you were saying, "We hope we're back next week," and then mm-hmm. as the show progressed, you mentioned the new station. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be either talk- or, and I did that, Bob, for a reason. It was like. If I'm not on WGBB next Sunday, where are people going to know to find me? Right. Good point. I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah, I see your point now. Okay. So uh, at least you're teasing them. All right. If you don't hear me here next Sunday, Sunday night, you're going to be able to hear me at WEVD, uh, 10.50 a.m. So that's why I, I mentioned that other station. How how much of an impact was uh, Vince Russo into the decision and into acquiring that new station? A big part of it. Because he's like, if we're going to grow this business, if we're going to grow a newsletter, this station is going to allow us to do that. But he never thought about the financial part of it because he was the guy that was writing the check in the beginning. And I was going to be the guy responsible for, you know, getting the sponsors and advertisers as he was going to try to do some selling himself. But, you know, it doesn't matter if the show was on WNYG or WGBB or WEVD. Sponsors and advertisers did not find pro wrestling an attractive place to be unless you were unless you were selling something that catered to the wrestling audience. So and especially during this time period, here I am about to go on a new station and break these incredible allegations about Hulk Hogan, who was the wrestling business.
So why would an advertiser want to go on, go on a, a radio show that, uh, you know, here we are. It could be the demise of the wrestling business with everything that's about to happen in 92. It was crazy, I, crazy time. It, and Vince was like, uh, you know, and all I heard was how I don't, you know, I don't have the money. We got to get sponsors. And, you know, the news, it was just a, and it, it all plays out in future episodes that we'll be covering. Because there were just a lot of things from me not having access to how many subscribers we had to it was just a mess right from the beginning. And of course, he, as he admitted here, he and as I have to admit, too, you know, I didn't know that he uh, just wanted to cover, you know, just the TV or entertainment part. And he didn't know that this show was so insider until he got involved with it. So it wasn't a good match right from the beginning. And. And I, you know, I, I I signed the contract with WEVD. He did not. And that plays out, too, because when we oh, split gosh. up, when we split up, he tried to take the show. And since I signed the contract, I get to keep the show. But it was it's going to be tumultuous as we get into next year. And you must have had the heebie-jeebies wondering if people would follow you from one station or another, because it, those two stations were very different from one another. I mean, one was New York City, the other was Long Island. That was part of the flavor of the show. I mean, you had to give you trepidation. Yeah, the flavor of the show is now national, if you really look at it, once we move to the news station. Because the audience increased, the amount of states we were reaching, the callers that were coming in from all these new callers that I'd never spoken to before. So, of course, the, the tried and true regulars on the pro wrestling spotlight did have a hard time then getting on to get their questions on the show because there was so much, uh, there was so much competition, but you're also, you're also going to see a very big uptick in the production. Like the show sounds like it is major market radio beginning next week. So I think that's, and I think people are going to be fascinated with, with the show and it goes down to an hour. It's not a two hour show anymore because we can only afford an hour. I know I'm fascinated too because you know I I'm I was blissfully unaware that a lot of this stuff was going on so I'm I'm learning it from you right now and uh, this is going to be quite an interesting next few shows I'll tell you well, that well if there was a topic that was even though it was a hard topic to talk about but the things that Graham and Schultz say on the pro wrestling spotlight next week as we review it that was. You couldn't ask for a better way to kick off a show on a new station because the attention it got uh, nationally because of the comments put us on the map in a big way and put us on the radar of the folks at Titan Towers who were not happy people. Yeah, it had a, it's it's the weirdest thing. Your ratings went up, 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 but it created a lot of angst. It created a lot mm-hmm. of trepidation. It created a lot of fear, probably. Like, how much longer can I do this? How much longer can I stay in the air? Even though I'm successful and popular, I'm not successful and popular. It was the strangest right. thing. It's uh, it, it's kind of, it's kind of really sad in a lot of ways, and you'll hear it unfold. And and these what these last few years that we've been covering in today's show, I mean eighty nine ninety, and and you know even previous to that uh when i was doing the show with brian uh, on arcadian vanguard these were the happy interesting times of pro wrestling spotlight now it's going to get into a a, a, t- a period where it is angst all the time 
and it is like how we get are we going to be here next week and then when we lose the show and then i have to go back to wnyg to start again uh and then i get back on it's like it's a it's a from here on in uh from 1992 to the end of the show in 1995 it's a roller coaster yeah it's a but you know coaster. what? I, I want to tip the cap to the Northeast wrestling fans who did enjoy your show because they followed you yeah. everywhere you went. Oh, they, they did. You know, I have a hardcore following and I still to this day, Bob, I never had national TV exposure. I was never on WCW or WWE. I still have a very hardcore fan base and everyone is like, how come you don't have more subscribers on YouTube? I mean, you have a, you know, a thousand seventy and how come people, more people don't know about you? I mean, I'm still a, I'm still a pretty well-kept secret regardless because I never had that national TV exposure. Yeah. Well, I, t- so, I think your book, I think your book is going to change a lot of that though. Well, I it, really it, do. It, you know, it's still out there. It's still available at Amazon. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it, it really got off to a, it had a really good run, a really good start. It's still out there. You st- could still buy it. And if you want to learn more about me, it's, uh, you know, John Arezzi's Matt memories, you get it anywhere. Uh, or if you want an autograph copy, just send me an email, john at mattmemories.com. But, yeah, I hope that the book uh, in 2022, uh, I would love to, you know, even add to it if it's a possibility in the in the future. But that tells the story, you know, not as deeply as we're doing it here, but it tells the story uh, right. deeply here. And you'll hear it. Uh, you'll hear everything unfold in future weeks here, Bob. So, um it is what it is. I'm an open book, and there'll be a lot of cringe moments for me next year. Well, we're gonna- really, really bad because I haven't heard these shows, and I know what I'm. I know what I'm about to face with newsletter yep. people who didn't get their newsletters, and and uh, the, the me begging for money on the air every week from booster club members to keep the show going, and uh, it made me feel like like crap a lot, but. I was on a mission <laughs> to cover yeah. the business, and I was hopeful that there would be other opportunities that would open up for me because of the work I was doing on Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And uh, some good opportunities did happen. The AAA stuff happened. The uh, you know the uh, IWAS uh, tours took place. But I got deeper in the wrestling business as a promoter, and then you really find out the shit that goes on. So. Wow. It's all going to unfold here, and you're you're part of the ride. And Alex yeah. is sitting there, and you know, uh, you're Alex. You're you have a lot in store for you here. Uh, wow. Yeah, lots of good stuff for the future, Bob. But uh, yeah, I guess that's it for today, right? That's going to wrap it up. That puts a nice bow on uh, episode 140 from December 29th, 1991. And as we look toward our new year, I want to wish Alex and Donnie and John. A really great new year. It's, it's a pleasure working with you. And uh, here's to the future, guys. And I want to wish everybody a happy new year, too. Alex, uh, stay warm up there up in Canada. Bob, uh, it's been a pleasure uh, to have you aboard here now with this new rendition of Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, we're doing great work here, and it's going to be a lot of fun in 2022. And, of course, Donnie Leibold, thanks again. Uh, I want to remind everybody as we wrap it up here for 2021, going to 2022, uh, we've talked about Patreon enough on this show, but uh, one more time, go to patreon.com slash John Arezzi, become a member, relive the history with us at our Patreon account. Uh, merchandise is out there and available, tinyurl.com slash pwsstore. 
please give this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts. Review the show there. And please tell your friends about us as well. Those who like the history of pro wrestling, share the show links. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is youtube.com slash pro wrestling spotlight. Help us build the audience. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun here in the next year. And don't forget to check out the sister podcast, Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, covering all the shows I covered from the Mecca of all arenas 50 years ago to the day the show takes place. There were four episodes available covering the WWF Madison Square Garden house shows from August of 1971 right through the end of that year, 1971, and more episodes monthly. Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden is co-hosted by Tim Poutre and written by Richie Garcia. John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast is a production of Matt Memories, LLC. Our co-host is Bob Smith. Our producer and editor is the wonderful Alex Robertson, and Donnie Leibel covers the time capsule each week. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight's creative director is our friend Marsh, and thanks to Patreon executive producer Jeremy Priest and all the patrons for your support of the production of this show. Until next year, when we relive more history with you, this is John Arizzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Happy New Year, everybody.